This is the 400th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. I'm D. Orlando Ledbetter, the Falcons beat reporter for the AJC. The title of this episode is going to be The Falcons Stay with Power 5 Players in the 2023 NFL Draft. If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure you follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet... You can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, we're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, and we're going to wrap up the second day of the second and third day of the NFL draft where the Falcons were active in adding to the offense and the defensive side of the ball. In the fourth round, they picked Clark Phillips, cornerback from Utah, and didn't have any picks in the fourth and the fifth, and then picked DeMarco Hallams. Safety, Alabama. <laughs> then, uh, my old Keith Jackson. Then, uh, in the seventh, next pick, Jovan Gwynn, 47 game starter for the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. So, if you see here, uh, there was a theme throughout the day. They stayed in the, they started with B. John Robinson. And we are, um, we're in the crowd that you take the running back high if he's great. So, we're expecting big things here. Uh, Big 12, um, you know, and uh, we, we have Bill Poley in the back that up. Bergeron, uh, ACC, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC, SEC. We didn't see no Montanas, no Boise States in here. Uh, no Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati's power 12 now in the Big 12. So they stayed with the big school kids. All of them played a lot. Uh, not a lot of bad injuries. And so we'll go over all that. Uh, here, as we wrap up the Falcons' uh, second and third days of the NFL draft, let's go and hear from the general manager, Terry Fontenot, on drafting Clark Phillips third. So we're, we're excited about Clark. And uh, you talk about you can't have too many uh, defensive backs that can cover and take the ball away. And um, the quick, athletic, speed, instincts, ball skills – Again, a tough competitive player, played a tough program. Uh, I mean, the way they do things uh, there. So uh, very excited about the player. And again, we always go back to it, but high character, um, smart, intelligent. Uh, he's about what we're about. So we're excited to add him uh, to the group. Well, Clark Phillips the third. he uh, 
Highly productive. We uh, we got some notes on him uh, off of Twitter. 61 likes when we said, hey, do y'all like this pick? So he had a lot. We had him ranked ninth in our top 10 quarterback cornerback rankings. You know, so he was on our radar going into this draft. He overall was the 17th cornerback taken, uh, 16th if you uh, count Brian Branch as a safety. So, um, you know, they got some value late in the fourth round. And uh, the 33rd team.com had him ranked as the 10th best cornerback in the draft. So we had similar views on him. Uh, one of the um, great takes on the Twitter uh, was that, hey, great game against uh, Addison Jordan. He erased him. So that was when the Utahs played uh, USC. Now, the negatives, um, why he lasted to the fourth round is uh, size and length. He's, uh, you know, the height and weight. I didn't write him down, but I think he's 5'9", 180 something. Uh, but tough and muscular. Um, 18 lifts on the uh, bench press. So he's strong enough, fast enough. Uh, and tough enough in there. He's got his hands on a lot of balls, had six interceptions, took four back for touchdowns. Uh, so great ball skills and open field running ability. Uh, the negatives, uh, size, length, and uh, these are from the 33rdteam.com. Uh, lower body, hip tightness shows up uh, in coverage and open field tackling. Uh, weights to come out of his back pedal too long exposing lack of elite recovery speed. So, um, and they say his pro comp is Jordan Lewis. I'll look up Lewis later, but um, that sounds like a nickelback to us. And the reason why he was there so late, uh, we felt was that he ran a 4-5-1 at the scouting combine. And uh, we discussed this with uh, Terry. And, uh, um, you know, he said that they had um, – they had uh, faster times on him than that. He wanted to know <laughs> where I got the four five one from. I'm like, God, it's, it's easy, Terry. Google Clark Phillips Combine. It comes right up. But we had it uh, in our notes, too, from the Combine. Uh, we get all that stuff, too. So it was kind of easy to get the 40 times. So uh, here is um, Arthur Smith on why they, what they saw on tape of Clark Phillips. He showed up well on tape, and uh, we wanted to know how that tape study went for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, Terry talked about his instincts, D-Led, uh, you know, the guys that can anticipate. To me, he's got great spatial awareness, uh, and then playing in different schemes and, and doing different jobs out there. The guy that, you know, prepares, it, but it shows up on the tape. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. I mean, you can get on all these numbers and – and there's, there's obviously very uh, interesting advanced metrics, and you look at them. And then so I was trying to give context the other night about, you know, yards after contact, they could be completely different players. Like you see that, you get excited about it, but you still got to match the tape, right? And, and so with a guy like Clark, when you look at those numbers too, you know, you're right, because sometimes you guy, I've, I've been around a guy that, and good for him, he gets overpaid in free agency because, you know, the ball tipped his way, and this is one of those years, and, and, and nobody, and, you're happy for the guy, but you know the way the, the way they got the turnovers. You know the tip ball off the line of scrimmage, and they just happened to be there at the right time, and thankfully they catch it or whatever. But the guy, you can see an instinct that can break on the ball and go back and track the ball. Like those are the things that get you fired up. Well, you know, a guy this small uh, also can play 
you know, the big issue is going to be can you, put, you can put him outside or inside. Put him outside, he's going to be faced with like big guys like Mike Evans in the division. Um, you know, some guys this small end up moving back to safety. And uh, I'm thinking the old Reggie Nelson uh, from Florida and the Bengals, uh, you know, a couple other. Uh, I know Rob Steen mentioned uh, Quadru Diggs from Detroit. Uh, but right now, I think he's a nickel, and, um, you know, he's going to probably get a shot inside and outside, fourth-round pick. You know, Falcon can't, can't ever have enough cornerbacks. So here's Arthur Smith on whether or not he will play inside or outside. Yeah, I mean, he, he can do both. And so that that's usually, a, you know, this isn't a, a full-on projection. You know, there's so many different coverages when you're wa watching guys and when you're projecting them. And there's some guys in this draft that – Maybe in a certain scheme they're a safety, but they end up covering the slot all the time. Or there's guys outside, but depending on if they're a big man team, you know they're going to get inside anyways by matchups or you know, the different the multiple schemes they run. Um, but yeah, with, with a guy like Clark, highly productive, which, which I think is one of the better uh, programs that sustain success. Uh, a lot of we have a lot of respect for that Utah program and certainly the way they play defense. And so. We loved our interactions with him. This is a guy that we had conviction on across the board, and we were excited that he was there when we picked him. Well, that's what uh, Arthur Smith said. We're going to put him – we don't have a nickelback slot on the depth chart. We just got corners left and right. Maybe we'll, we're going to create uh, – you know, they were interested in the uh, depth chart. They were asking about it after uh, each, each, each session. And it's like, hey, how do you got the defense lined up? You know, and I was like, hey, what do you got? How do you got the offense? I was like, hey, I put y'all in the wishbone after taking Bijan. And so they got a kick out of that. Uh, but the defense, they're hitting at a hybrid 4-3 slide. You know, they got 3-4 personnel last year. They got more 4-3 personnel this year. The Saints ran a 4-3 basically. Uh, with some, you know, a lot of exotic packages on third down. So, you know, the depth chart's not going to be able to reflect all that until they do something on field. So I'm going to go with – I'm going to stay with the 3-4 until we see them line up in something else. And uh, we'll just put the people, um, the body types behind the same body types because they wanted to know, where. hey, where are you going to put Zach Harris? I said, I'm going to put him behind Ade in that line, you know, because the rookie's starting to back on the depth chart. So um, that was a big discussion. We got the guards and Keegan and Josh Miles, got all the people lined up too for where uh, they're going to be uh, playing. So let's move on to Terry Fontenot for a little bit more on Clark Phillips' size. If you really look through it, um, there have been a lot of corners at that height that have played in the NFL and been really productive in the NFL. And, and, and you just go through the list, there's a lot of really good football players, not just in um, recent years, but even historically. Um, you look at a lot of guys that are at that height, and but they have to have, okay, where are the special traits that they have? Okay, instincts, ball skills, um, quickness, athleticism, speed. He has a lot of traits and a lot of factors, and he's got the makeup to make it and be a productive player. So when you look at the history, because you want to know, okay, how much of an exception is this player? You look at the history, there have been a lot of corners that have been successful in the league um, at or around that height. So he played tough at his size, and he was big. He was a big-time recruit. Um, have to question the young man's decision-making. He uh, 
He was going to Ohio State, and then the coaches, uh, I don't know if they got fired or moved on or whatever, two weeks before signing day, and so he pulled out of his Ohio State commitment and went to Utah. Uh, so, you know, he's from California, so, um, you know, he probably, you know, didn't want to go all the way across the country with the uh, coaching changes. Uh, so he decided to go to Utah and flourish there. Defensive player of the year, first team All American too, but um, you know, so so his size was not an issue there. But here is Terry Fontenot on you know whether those accolades matter, you know, like All American and Defensive Player of the Year and all that kind of stuff when they're doing their background research on these players. It, it doesn't uh, for me personally, you know, it, it doesn't really. Now the things that do get you excited, any kind of accolades are. Hey, was he a um, the personal accolades? Like you, you know, in that school, like what the coaches say about him, he was a team captain, and they held him in high regard for these reasons. But those kind of accolades are usually just based off statistics, so that doesn't um, that wouldn't do any, move the needle for us. Now we are of the can't ever have enough cornerbacks uh, committee, so uh, you know we wanted to know from Arthur and Terry how they see the depth at the cornerback position. That's what you want. And, and you know, it's the business we're in. And it uh, doesn't mean we don't love all those guys and we don't let them compete. And we got to be fair about it. And uh, I think it'll bring out the best in, uh, best in our team and, and in all our players. That's, that's what it is on Sunday. I mean, it's the most competitive league in all professional sports. The cool thing is, though, Scott, is we don't live in this rigid box where you say, Okay, you have to have this many players at this position, this many players at this position, and and when you come up with that 53-man roster, right? Um, you, we look at it like we're going to keep the best players, right? So you named all those corners. If those guys are balling and it's going really well, then and we end up keeping seven corners, and and you're let, you're not just going to say, okay, if you're the whether you're the fourth safety or the fifth at this position or whatever, oh, you're guaranteed a spot. No, man. And and vice versa, if we only feel like we have three guys that we're really excited about in the building right now, then we're going to have to go get them from somewhere else. But we don't live in this fixed, fixed box where we have to, if we get good football players, they can help us win and they can help this roster, then we're going to keep those good football players. Well, all right. That's how they see the depth at the cornerback position. So let's look at it real quick. I got my working depth chart up. With them taking this guy in the fourth round, they didn't take Gonzalez high. They Witherspoon was gone. Something was going on with Gonzalez that dropped him to 17 uh, and made the Falcons a little bit slow to take him at eight. Uh, they went with the sure thing, big hit running back, and uh, we're fine with that. You don't draft needs. You draft the best player available. Now, you know, Jalen Carter was the best player available, but we understand why they didn't take him, uh, given the red flags. Not so much his involvement in the fatal crash, but from a football perspective, you know, the turn it on, turn it off type of thing uh, and, and practice things were uh, an issue there. So, But it wasn't a problem for the Eagles, who jumped right up and took him. So we'll see how that plays out uh, over time. Taking the running back over potentially the best player in the draft. Uh, that's got to roll with this draft here for the Falcons. Now, if they hit on the running back, that's going to be fine. And if, um, you know, we wish Carter the best up in Philly, you never don't want to wish the guys uh, not the best. But, um, 
you know, there were issues, and the Falcons weren't the only team to pass on them. Seattle passed on them at five. Detroit passed on them at six. Falcons passed on them at eight. The defending NFC champs said, hey, we got to have them. They come up and get him, and they are loading up on the Bulldogs up in Philly. But the cornerback depth, that's what we came over here for. So we got A.J. Terrell, Mike Hughes, and Clark Phillips uh, on the left side with Dylan Mabin and Javelin Goodry. Okay, and then on the uh, right side, they plan on saving Jeff Acunda, and they got insurance uh, if he can't make it. Uh, and Cornell Armstrong, and then you got D. Alford, who got on the field last year, and so did Darren Hall. So you got um, some options if everything doesn't work out in the saving of Jeff Acunda. And then behind them, you got Matt Hankins and John Reed. So all together now, count up the cornerbacks. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They'll go to camp with eleven. Usually it's twelve, and they got six safety. So safety wise, you know Jesse Bates and Richie Grant. So you got AJ Terrell, Jesse Bates, Richie Grant, and Jeff Acunda, uh, basically replacing uh, Casey Hayward. Then at nickelback, you got options: uh, Mike Hughes, Clark Phillips, uh, replacing Isaiah Oliver. And then I think you got Jalen Hawkins as a big nickel option uh, and maybe Hallams as a big nickel option uh, to come in there and play. The other cornerbacks are Micah Abernathy and Jamal Peters. So that's where they're at. Uh, secondary, the revamped secondary, that's what it looks like here um, after the draft. So we got to... We got to do our report card today, and then we're going to do the updated dip chart with the rookies in there, but no big things. We're going to put the rookies in the back, but I expect Bijan to be a starter and Bergeron to win the left guard spot. Harrison to be in the seven-man rotation. He's just a big guy, got the long arms. He should be able to set the edge. And uh, Phillips to be in the nickelback hunt and also a special teamer. Hallams plays special teams on um, at Alabama. And uh, Gwen should provide depth at guard and center. He's a versatile, sturdy guy. And, um, you know, everybody's going to have a chance to compete. But we like to keep the running depth chart. Fans paying all this money for PSLs. At least they can get us uh, a good look at what their team looks like on paper. I don't know what all the angst is about about uh, our projected depth chart. But they, uh, they want to know about the projected depth chart. Uh, in great detail so with that we're going to take a break here we're going to come back with some Clark Phillips Zach Harris and Matthew Bergeron this is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal Constitution ocean breeze tropical beach an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise a drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there beach on Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Bowtie Chronicles podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time again to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC at AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. Now, if you haven't joined our community yet, we have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access to everything the AJC has to offer for the next three months for just 99 cents. That's all of your stories on AJC, our terrific e-paper, and all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next three months. So to take advantage of this offer, go to subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast. So you always know what's going on. Well, we're back here at the podcast and, um, you know, the Bowtie Chronicles and, you know, the Falcons uh, went, you know, on the offense on the first day. Second day, they went offense, guard, then defensive end. Then on the last day, secondary, secondary, O-line. And so we heard from Clark Phillips the third wanted to know about his playmaking ability. Man, it's a product, honestly, of just a lot of film study um, and a lot of confidence. I truly believe that um, I separate myself on that field. Can't wait to step back on it, but it's really just a product of a lot of preparation, a lot of film study, and then just being able to make those plays in that moment and having the confidence to do so. All right, and then we got a, we got a text during the interview about, uh, hey, Clark Phillips has that dog in him. So we wanted to know uh, from Clark what, what that dog in him means. Man, they're just talking about probably my feisty nature of, you know, of play. I kind of play with the, with the chip on my shoulder. Um, always been one to kind of go at it and, and work the hardest. And I'm just excited to, you know, go and help this new team, man, and help the Falcons out in any way I can. So, yeah, kind of went up on my radar that he was like, oh, I, I know Jeff Acundo. I was supposed to go to Ohio State. And uh, then he went to Utah. And so um, I wanted to know. Uh, what led up to that decision for Clark Phillips III and why he chose Utah after decommitting from the Buckeyes? Yeah, so uh, it was great, man. It was a lot of stuff, a lot of ups and downs in the recruitment process, uh, a product of a lot of different coaching changes that happened uh, right before the days of my signing day. And I ended up uh, going with Utah, man, because I just felt solid about the staff. I loved uh, love Coach Scally, love Coach Shaw. Uh, Coach Whittingham felt solid in their defensive um history and what they do for defensive guys on, on the team and how to get guys to the next level. And I wanted to be the next guy that, you know, kind of got out from Utah. And, um, yeah. All right. The Buckeyes um, did uh, – one Buckeye did land in Atlanta. It was Zach Harrison. He came with the 75th pick overall. Big old, big, big uh, defensive end there. I, I didn't write down the measures, but they're in there. They're in the bios. I want to say two, uh, six, five and a half, two seventy-two. Uh, the big thing is him was the long arm, so plus thirty, plus uh, thirty-six. Uh, I'm pretty sure. 
and what his arms were. Let me see if I can get to it real quick here. But yeah, big um defensive end from the Buckeyes. Uh, you know I, I I you know watch a lot of games. You know the eleven sacks, uh, over forty six starts were you know uh, an issue. But then I talked to some of my Ohio State folks. They're like, no, no, he was getting doubled and tripled. Uh, that's who everybody uh went after, and um you know that uh. Uh, you know the numbers reflected you know that so uh, that was uh that was the rationale there and that he uh also you know uh, was you know five-star recruit coming out of Olin Tangy up there uh, uh suburban Columbus high school you know he stays in in town a lot of pressure on him and so forth but uh yeah but he said he came into his own last year and there's some upside to him that the Falcons saw and, uh, you know, they could bring him along. They were saying, hey, it was a good room for him to be in. You know, they're not expecting too much. But, yeah, here we go. Six foot, five and a half, 274, arm length of 36 and a quarter. So, you know, he should be able to set the edge just if he uses his arms. And um, bench press, yeah, this is a good number, 25 times. Vertical jump, got some explosion, 34.5. So, yeah, this guy's got a lot of upside. Let's hear from uh, Zach Harrison on his previous contact with the Falcons. Yeah, they um they came to Columbus and uh and they had me do, you know, go through a little workout and, you know, met with the coach a little bit. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it as far as the pre-draft. You know, just that, that workout came to the Woody, talked to me and met with me. Now, uh, one thing, he talked about his versatility. I asked about him. He said he could play everywhere, up and down the line, uh, but he's a DN. But we uh, we wanted to uh, hear about his versatility, and here's what Zach Harrison had to say about his versatility. Yeah, I feel like I, I can do a, I can do it all. You know, I can play all down the line of scrimmage. You know, I'm, I'm fast enough to play on the edge, but I'm big enough, strong enough to play on the inside. So, you know, really, whoever the Falcons want me to play is where, is where I'm going to go give them my all. All right, I think we saved the, you know, Bijan was good. So you go back to episode 339 for Bijan, and we got a video of him on uh, AJC.com. So you can go hear, hear, hear him too. But we, um, one of the better interviews uh, from the draft prospects was Matthew Bergeron. Great story. I heard it on the NFL uh, Series XM riding around. You know, back and forth between here and Athens. Uh, he um, he played Canadian football. He grew up in Canada, Victoriaville, Quebec. Uh, played hockey growing up. Of course, they all do that. Uh, he said he played at 9 and 10. And then uh, he was playing Canadian football. And his coach thought he could play American football down here with us folks. So they um, went to a Syracuse camp. And um, bought the hotel room, stayed for a night, went to camp, knocking people around, and got a scholarship. <laughs> His only scholarship offer. So great story from Matthew. Uh, but let's talk. Uh, we we talked to him about hey hey did any of that playing hockey transfer to football? Man, it was it, it was it was crazy. So basically, I came down for a Syracuse camp. You know, I wasn't being recruited at all. And, you know, my, my high school coach here in Canada, he, just, he told me, he's like, man, you got talent. I think you could compete with some of the guys down in the U.S. And then, you know, made a road trip with the guys, paid for a hotel for one night. Next day, went into camp. And when I got into camp, I realized, like, man, I'm the best tackle out there. 
and I made I made the most out of it, and I got a, my first offer, my first and only offer, and then next year started for Syracuse. And uh, Matthew was, you know, he played mostly tackle up there for the Orange, mobile, uh, pretty good, um, you know, uh, pretty good uh, measurables and so forth. The Falcons actually traded up to get him at uh, 38. They gave up uh, the 45th pick and gave up one of their, they gave up their yeah 45th and one of their fourth round picks to get him. Uh, he was targeted and uh, they're going to move him to guard. And we, uh, let's just look at some of the numbers here. Yeah, 33 and three-fourths arm list subjects guard. Uh, no 40, no vertical, uh, no uh, 10 yard. Vertical jump, 30.5. That's good for a big guy, 6'5", 318. So it's going to, can he anchor? Oh, yeah, I uh, like the, the, the lift, 29 times. So he's bit plenty big and plenty strong. <laughs> now, uh, is he mean and uh, you know he, he mean and he he can move and pretty sure he's a tough guy in there. But uh, we we're looking forward to seeing him play and see how fast he can come on. It's not a whole lot of uh, the competition there at that left guard spot. Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's numbers. There's a lot of numbers and a lot of guys that have had shots at it. Uh, we'll look at, you know, we'll go over that on the depth chart here. He's going to go to the back of the line at the depth chart, and he's going to have to work his way up like all the rookies have to do until we see how they line him up. So um, here is Matt Bergeron and what would happen if he had to move from guard to tackle. They already announced he's moving from guard to tackle, so uh, here's what he had to say about the move before it was announced. I think – it's easier to move from outside to inside, especially when you play your whole life at tackle, moving inside. You know, you got your cushion, you got the center, you got the tackle next to you. And, uh, you know, if you play if you play tackle in college, you, you're an athlete, you know, you're athletic. I think moving inside and using my, you know, athletic abilities to, you know, my strength that I have, my natural strength that I have to compete with those, you know, bigger, stronger guys inside, I think it could be an advantage for me. And here's just a little bit more from Matthew Bergeron on where he can play on the offensive line. I think I could play any position on the offensive line, and if, if I'll do anything to help the Falcons win games and run the ball. All right, so we're going to – let's look at that left guard spot real quick. Uh, he's going to be the presumptive starter here. But, you know, let's look at the competition in front of him. You don't want to just give the job away. But – um Cal Hinton from the Vikings came over. Uh, Matt Hennessy's there. Jalen Mayfield and Justin Schaefer. Justin and Jalen ended up last year on uh, IR. Uh, Mayfield's third round pick. Justin's uh, sixth. And uh, Hennessy's uh, third round. He had a shot. Hinton had some time with the uh, with the Vikings. Uh, and then you got Bergeron, second round pick. So he's going to be the presumptive. You know, if he, if they started, a, no, they didn't start anybody as rookies. Uh, Drew Dahlman had to wait. They tried to start him with Hennessy, but it, well, he wasn't ready. So as a matter of fact, it's going to be an issue whether how fast they can get Bergeron ready to go in there. And if not, they got Hinton and Hennessy to hold it down. 
And, uh, you know, Jalen Mayfield, can he make it back? And then can Justin Schaefer make a push over there? So before we get out of here on the 400th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, we like to look around the NFC South and see how they did. Of course, the Panthers had the number one pick. They came up and uh, they took Bryce Young as expected. Uh, just some of their picks. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver from uh, Ole Miss, think they went a little high on him, but they, they took him. And uh, Jamie Lee, Jamie Robinson from Florida State, the safety uh, All-State player here, AJC All-State player from Lee County, he also went to the Panthers. Now, the Saints went defense early with uh, Foskey from Notre Dame and Brian Breezy, Breze, he, uh the defensive tackle from Clemson. And uh, they took Jake, Jake Hefner, the um, quarterback from Fresno State, or Jake Hayner, the quarterback from Fresno State, and he'll be learning from Derek Carr, also from Fresno State. So unique situation there for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Jake had one of the high scores on that S2 that was a cognitive test that was supposed to derail C.J. Stroud, but did not. He he went number two to Houston. And then Tampa Bay, uh, they went with uh, Kalijah Casey, the defensive tackle from Pitt who's supposed to be the Larry uh, Aaron Donald clone. So, you know, the Falcons will have to face him. And Cody Mock, the guard from North Dakota State, that's probably who the Falcons would have taken if they stayed at 44 because uh, who's the guard? Um, Bergeron would have been gone. So those were the two guards on the board. They went with the big school guard from Syracuse over, over the North Dakota State guard. And then uh, a couple uh, local guys were taken by Tampa Tampa Bay. Uh, Yaya Diabe from North Clayton High played at Louisville. Edge rusher, he went to the Bucks. And tight end Payne Durham from Purdue, from Peachtree Ridge High, he also went to the Bucks. So, um, you know, if, if the Panthers got their quarterback of the future and an offensive weapon, you know, good draft for them. Saints uh, bucked up on defense, uh, loaded up a couple players that should help at defensive end and defensive tackle. You know, they got to replace <laughs> um, Daniel uh, Anumata, who came here. So that's what Brise will be doing. And uh, you need defensive end. So Foskey was productive at Notre Dame. And then Tampa Bay went, you know, trying to help out their defensive line, too, with uh, Diaba and Casey and uh, needed help along the line and got Cody Mock. So those are some of the, the draft highlights from the NFC South. And before we get out of here, just sum it up here. Just go over the list of the Falcons draft. And just come back to AJC.com. We'll have the uh, undrafted. Uh, some of those are coming in. Chase Bryce from Grayson High, App State, is going to be participating in the rookie minicamp. Uh, and we'll get those uh, lined up here later on today. First round, eighth overall, Bijan Robinson, running back, Texas. Second round, Matthew Bergeron, guard, Syracuse, 38th overall. Third round, Zach Harrison, defensive end, the Ohio State University, 75 overall. In the fourth round, Clark Phillips, the third, University of Utah, one 
113th pick, All-American cornerback, defensive player of the year from the Pac-12. And then no picks until the seventh round, DeMarco Hallams, SEC, Alabama, 224th safety, 255 career tackles. Highly productive player to be getting in the seventh round. Jovan Gwynn, SEC, 40 game start, 47 game starter for the Gamecocks, 225 overall. So you got quality all the way up and down this draft. Should have a couple starters and some contributors, maybe three starters if they can uh, develop Harrison into a baller. That's that'll turn that'll turn this draft into whether it's good or great. Uh, B. John, if he you know you hear the names and Barry Sanders, Ladanian Thomas, if he comes close to any of that. Hey, that's going to make this draft one make this draft one of the best ever in Falcon history. And the guards that'll be just, you know, if they can come then help out, that's awesome. You might have a nickel back here and you might have a, a eventual starting strong safety in here. If Richie Grant doesn't, you know, it's, it's opportunities there to to learn from Jesse uh Bates on the back end and uh you know, learn from uh uh maybe Rich Grant too. So you might have, uh, we'll see down the road, three years. I think we're going to have a pretty good grade on the report card here because I'm in the Bijan school. I, we got to address if Jalen Carter turns into Warren Sapp, then this is <laughs> this draft's going to look really bad down the road. So, we, you know, those are the issues facing the Falcons. Coming out of the NFC, uh, coming out of the um, NFC and the uh, NFL draft, it wasn't the NFC draft, Coming out of the NFL Draft 2023, that's where the Falcons sit. We want to thank you for listening to the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Take care and have a great rest of your week. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.